You're listening to Beyond the Measure, episode 12. Listen as I, a young choir director, and my husband, a young composer, interview other music educators in order to gain insight into their own success in the classroom. We have a lot to learn, and we want you to learn with us. No matter your age, ensemble, or experience, this is the ideal podcast for music educators, composers, and students alike. So join us as we go Beyond the Measure. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Measure. Uh, Another week is here, and that means another wonderful guest on our show. Kara, how about you introduce this week's guest? We have a very special guest today. Sure. So today we have um, Ramel Derrick. He is the assistant choir director at Abilene High School, and I know him because I was had the pleasure of student teaching there, and I got to um, just learn and see the what am I trying to say? Dang it. The ins and outs. The ins and outs. Well, the pleasure was all <laughs> yeah. ours, Karen. Oh, trust thank me. You. It really was. Yes. And Ramel is also a composer, yes. which is also why I'm really excited to have him on the show because we always say in the intro that, you know, this is for music educators, composers, <laughs> and students alike. But I'll be honest, I feel like we haven't talked enough about the composition side. So those of you that are listening that are into composing music, you composers out there, this will also be a really good episode for you because um, Ramel has definitely especially recently you've really mm-hmm. started to to get a lot of your music out there and, and yeah. be really successful with that so we're we're so happy about that so we'll we'll definitely get to talk about that a lot well thank you for having me guys it's really good to be here and i think a lot of both of you and uh just happy to finally be able to have a conversation mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah yes. we've been meeting to get together for we a have. long time we i'm glad we're finally <laughs> being able to do this but definitely yeah we're cool um well could you start just by telling us, and you can get as specific as you want or broad, just kind of tell us what made you want to do music, you know, growing up, how you came to become a music teacher and a composer, and, and yeah, how did all that happen for you? Okay, well, I'm uh, originally from Dallas, was born and raised there, and went through, you know, all of the music programs there. We had very strong music programs, especially at the elementary level, and so I, I think I had a great music education at the elementary level. I did not do music in middle school. And so as I think of it, I didn't do really much of anything in middle school. But, um, <laughs> and so it wasn't until I got to high school. Um, and so let me just kind of back up a little bit. Um, so my 10th grade year, <clears throat> um, my family and I, my mother and my sister, we moved to a little town called Cedar Hill, Texas. <laughs> Shout out to the Longhorns <laughs> out there. <laughs> And uh, but a year prior to that, my father had passed away. And so, you know, I was a young kid, heartbroken and and sad that my dad was gone and really trying to kind of make sense of of life, so to speak. Um, and so when we moved to this new town and a new school, they put me in choir and I thought, OK, this is going to be interesting because <laughs> I hadn't. You know, I hadn't been in choir since elementary school, but I, I still love music and I sang uh, at church. But I really feel like I found my my people when I I joined that choir, and uh, I was in that non varsity choir for a semester. And the director, Melissa Logan, uh, was the director. She said, "No, this is not where you're supposed to be." And so that next semester, I got moved up to varsity <laughs> and was able to have. Uh, just a great experience there. We were invited choir for TMEA one year, I think my junior year. And so it was just a really solid music education. So I often say that music saved my life because I don't know where I would be, you know, if I had not been able to, to find that music community. And so I just became enamored with music and I love the choral music. I would take my folder home every day and it just, there was just something about people singing together that just reached out and grabbed me. And I, and I knew then that I would, that I would be a music educator and, uh, haven't looked back. Wow. That's cool. And then where did you go to school? So I, after I graduated from Cedar Hill High School, I went to a little small town, uh, Terrell, Texas, Southwestern Christian College, and I, I got an Associate of Arts degree in music, and I left there, and then I came to Abilene and graduated from uh, ACU with a Bachelor of Arts degree in music, and uh, I've been here ever since. So wow. it's just really, 
I guess not too exciting of a tale, but uh, oh, it's my no. story. <laughs> no, it's that's huge. I mean, it's it's crazy how you know every single person that that does this. They have that moment. Yeah. You know? There's always that yeah, pivotal definitely. point. Yeah. Definitely. I, I kind of like to call it the Genesis moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, the beginning, uh, you know, we we both had those moments and pretty much everyone that we've talked to on this show so uh-huh. far has had yeah. those. And, sure. And yeah, it all goes back to some specific point, but no, yeah, it's huge. Absolutely. Cool. So you you kind of always grew up, You well, you didn't grow up in Abilene, but you know, you've been here pretty much for how long i've been here for probably i got here in 2003 or 2004 so i've been here a long time a lot longer than i thought i would be here i thought i <laughs> yeah. would be i think that's normal back in dollars for, <laughs> no, we never thought we'd but my here. wife is from hamlin <laughs> okay so she's okay. a pied piper and so uh my mother-in-law still lives here and my sister-in-law and aunts and uncles my wife's uh aunts and so we're we're here for the long haul Mm. We're we're here cool. for a while. That's yeah. great. So going for like, when did you start composing music? Um, you know, I think I have a philosophy that all children are songwriters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because children, you know, music is before usually before they can speak, they're singing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think in that sense, I've uh, you know I used to make up songs and hum different kinds of things, but I think. My first official foray into music was probably in 1995 and uh, had wrote a song with a cousin of mine who um, I really looked up to. And so we actually wrote the notes out and that kind of thing. And I think that was 1995. Cool. Were either of you born no. then? Okay. All right. 99. So that, that yeah. shows my age right there. <laughs> that, that definitely tells my age, but it was about 1995. And, uh, and so that was the first quote-unquote real song mm-hmm. i mean it was choral it was a sacred piece mm-hmm. uh, acapella but uh i thought man you know this is this is pretty fun this is all right I, I i could see myself doing this yeah so so you didn't necessarily so for a long time you you could see yourself composing you've been composing music i suppose so i mean i've been putting notes together i mean if mm-hmm. that counts and notes and <laughs> rhythms but yeah i i suppose so that i there was always the sense of Writing, and especially mm-hmm. I grew up in the Church of Christ tradition, where um, you know we sang a cappella in mm-hmm. church, and so mm-hmm. there's always this improvisational feel. We're adding in harmonies and oh, yeah. you know imp- and, you know, improvising on the rhythms and those kinds of things. And so I guess that kind of creational spirit was always there for us. Oh, that's really mm-hmm. cool. The reason yeah. I the reason I ask is because I know I've heard of teachers that kind of end up becoming composers Mm -hmm. because they end up writing stuff out of necessity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, have you ever done anything like that? Or has it always just been more of a, you've just enjoyed doing it and you just happen to. Yeah. I think I came to the table with that ability or skill or what, what have you. Um, but I guess, yeah, I've taught some of my choirs, some of my pieces recently. And so it's Mm -hmm. been interesting to see how they respond to those. And, um, and, it lets certainly lets me know how good of a writer I am. I mean, if if they can sing yeah. it and it, yeah. they can they can get through it, um, it's it's a joy to see that. Yeah, for and, sure. And to see my pieces kind of taken off as they are. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's kind of a good next thing to ask you about. So you know, you told us about just kind of your upbringing and how you came to do music, but but tell us a little bit about your your recent successes over the past mm-hmm. couple of years. I mean, you you've gotten a lot of your music out there, and yeah. I'm seeing lots of videos of yeah. ensembles performing, and it's it's great. I tell you what, guys, it's been really crazy, and you know, this really started. Believe it or not, there's a little thing that happened uh, about. Two years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were kind of all at home for a little while. <laughs> yeah, uh, what was that? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but during the the, the COVID pandemic, um, I really had time to write and I had time to finish things that I had started, and so mm. um, and so I started just posting stuff and sending things off to publishing companies because I thought, you know, I've got the time. Why not? Now, mind you. I had been sending pieces off for about 20 years before that. So that's what I tell people. Any any composers, any songwriters out there who really want to make it, um, you can't give up. Because all I needed was just one yes. Now, yeah. I had received yeah. quite a few no's, but I just needed that one yes. And, and my life has 
just completely taken off from that one yes. I mean, wow. I was able to have two pieces published with Walton, and just I've gotten lots of notoriety from just being able to be in their catalog. And I've had performances, gosh, all over the country. I mean, South Dakota, North Carolina, Minnesota. I mean, places I've never even been to. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. So I want to encourage anybody who is doing any kind of artistic endeavor, um, stay with it. Uh, don't give up. Um, keep pushing. Keep keep striving because eventually, if you want it bad enough, I believe that the universe will yeah. will allow you to have it. Oh. And, and I'm a living witness of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. And then that's really inspirational to me. And it's, yeah. it's been really inspirational just to be able to see that happening. Absolutely. Um, over the past couple of years and. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's really powerful. It 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 I think I heard I don't know what's the saying? It's like it takes many many swings to be a one-hit wonder or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, or like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something I don't want to be. And so yeah, oh, yeah. You, you talk about this this growth or this kind of um significant growth, I guess you could say that I've had over the past couple of years. I don't want to be that person that just explodes on the scene and then I just, you know, die a quick death. I mean, I, I want my <laughs> I want my progress to be steady yeah. and to be yeah. measured and to um you know, I want to be in the business a long time. And so I'm really wanting to take my time and learn the craft. I mean, I don't consider myself to have arrived at all. I don't think I'm the best composer, but I'm I'm always open to learning and listening, yeah. and um, I think that's the best thing that we can do as a composer is listen. Yeah, and wow. and not only listen to what we're doing, but listen to what what other composers are writing. Yes, and, and thinking what can I learn from them, and and Karen knows this. I mean, our students inspire us as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly inspired by my kids, and so um, I think my my most important job is is listening as a husband, as a father. That's my most important job is to listen. Oh man, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. The most important thing we can do is to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And not just to listen critically and to mm-hmm. listen beyond um you know, just mere s- sounds and and sights and those kinds of things, but you know, listen to listen to the heart of a thing, the spirit of a thing. Mm-hmm. Listen mm-hmm. to the heart of of your children, your wife, whatever the case may be and really try to to see and understand them, that's, um, and so that that's that's what I try to do. I I may not always do the greatest <laughs> job, but I try to do that. That's so cool. Well, and, and that's just kind of a good representation of you know music itself, and mm-hmm. and kind of how it represents how we should be as people. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's yeah. that's cool. Well, Kara, but at any point, but I just have all these questions from a composer, a composer standpoint. Uh, I mean, I have one, but I feel like I just need a, like it needs to flow. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's that's fine. I just didn't want you to think I'm just like constantly yeah. just like, keeping uh, you. It's from- okay. It's, this is your area. I'm, I'm loving this, guys. This is awesome. This is great. Well, okay. So I did. So I have two. So it's technically one question, but okay. it can be inverted either okay. way, right? So, so my first question is, what advice do you have? to teachers Mm. that maybe are kind of dabbling in composing and maybe haven't done much of that in the past and what, what can kind of help them Um, or maybe they're having to like write out a necessity and they just kind of start doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So what is your advice to them? And then my inverse question is, well, what about composers (laughs) that maybe need more experience in kind of the teaching area? Wow. So that they, how, how does that influence them? So, and take your time if you need to. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think I think I'll definitely have to do that. Um, <laughs> teachers that are kind of dappling in composing. I mean, they have you, you have an advantage because you have students who will learn anything you put in front of them. So mm-hmm. I think that that is the great advantage is having a choir to write for. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, most of the time as composers, we're writing for. Um, you know, choirs that we may never hear or never see, or uh-huh, uh-huh. we're writing for an imaginary choir. But I think the advantage that that teacher has is, hey, you have you have students in front of you that will learn what you put in front of them, and you can 
you know, it's just trial and error. You can put something before them and figure out, okay, this works, this mm-hmm. doesn't work. And so I think that is the great advantage that that, that teacher has. Um, yeah, that's something that I have definitely have wished that I had more access to on, like on yeah, my end. Right. I mean, definitely. I've, and I have written, you know, recently, especially I'm, I'm really trying to focus more on writing music that is more accessible for, yeah, for ensembles. And, and I've been, you know, blessed to know, you know, teachers like you and other people around mm-hmm. that can give me good feedback on right. it, but it's, and as good as that is, and as important as that is, it still doesn't beat literally being there in a room with the thing yeah. <laughs> that can that can do it. Yeah, and you think about guys like, you know, Eric Wigger for for instance or John Rutter, these mm-hmm. famous choral composers, they have these phenomenal choirs that yeah. they're able to write for mm-hmm. and that they know what their, you know, abilities are and they know what colors they're able to to produce. And so that's really cool mm-hmm. to be able to to have that um, maybe one day. I'll have that. <laughs> I think so. The flip side of that question is uh, a composer who's wanting to to teach. Mm-hmm. I think again, there's an advantage there because the composer is so used to hearing all of these different kinds of sounds and and listening that you know you ask the kids, hey, what what kind of music are you interested in? Yeah. You know, what, what do you like? What, what sort of texts do you connect with? Um, you know, and, and start maybe incorporating some of those styles into what, into what you're writing. But I think, um, the kids should, should have a voice in that. And so I think that composer then can, can take those, uh, can take that feedback and say, okay, I want to craft this piece specifically for yeah. these kids. So I think just listening and, and, um, you know, elements that they like. I mean, even if it's rap. Now, rap has gotten pretty bad name over the course of the years. <laughs> sure. and Hip-hop and those kinds of things. But this is what our kids are listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm- so our music, and I'm a firm believer that our, our music, the music that we teach, should reflect the kids that we teach. Yeah. yeah definitely. Well, and I think a good example of something like that is like, I mean, look at, you know, like Hamilton. Yeah, musical. yeah definitely. Obviously, that. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge genre bridge right there right like it has so much you know rap elements and hip-hop but also i bet i would assume and i mean even for me personally it's Uh like it like it's helped introduce so many people more to the musical theater side definitely and vice versa right um and then that in turn i'm sure eventually kind of goes over to choir as well right and it gets them interested in history yeah you know Mm -hmm. and so you have those cross-disciplinary uh things going on but yeah I, i would say you know, just go for it, uh, you know, both teacher and composer. Just, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've, you've got to be comfortable with trying and then maybe not always being successful, but at least, you know, that you tried. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are you going to regret not doing, not trying something more yeah. later? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I know a lot of composers have started off, as you said earlier, who who have been teachers and who said, Hey, there's a need here. I mean, I can think of several. And I think those composers have probably been a lot more impactful because as a teacher, I'm trying to assess, okay, what, what do my kids need? Mm -hmm. Now we get caught up as teachers with a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. We have to have pieces from the PML and, and that kind of thing. But I always focus on how will my kids connect to, to what I'm teaching. Now, there are certain things that I want them to learn, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, how will how will they connect to the texts and the music and mm-hmm. and that? So I always think about that. So what does your you kind of already kind of started to tell us about yeah. it, but but what does from start to finish, or I'll just say just the writing process? What what does because I, I also want to hear more about like talking to the publisher and the editors because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i've always been curious about that and i'm sure there's a lot of other people listening that are curious about how that works specifically but just as far as you know writing the music goes from start to finish you know you start dabbling with a new idea all the way to already hit the double bar line and mm-hmm. i've got mm-hmm. it pretty fleshed out what what does that look like i think for me text is huge really yeah i've always loved words i've all i love poetry Love poetry. And so the text is always really um, huge for me. And so I I, I live with the text for a while. Uh, I spend time with it. I memorize the text. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I type it up. And so and I can take it out and look at it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, making marks on the text. But I really get to know 
intimately acquainted with the text because the music then is is born out of the text. I just finished um, a commission for Dr. Jeff Goolsby over uh-huh. at ACU, yeah. and the text that we chose just was wonderful. The text is, the sky tore itself apart, and the sun burned itself down just so you could see another day. And now that this galaxy full of bright stars is keeping you alive, how dare you not understand this beautiful unheard love Hmm. that you are to live for the loves that you don't know. And yes, you are to live. Hmm. So that, that text, that poem, I live with it for, I would say at least a month, maybe more. Got it. So that I could get the sense of Mm -hmm. the rhythm of the text. So your process, your, your writing process begins way before you even write a first note. It almost always begins with the text. And before that, I mean, before I have an actual text, I'm I'm reading poetry. I have hmm. lots of poetry books, and so I'm looking through those, and I'm reading poetry all of the time, and I'm on public domain poetry, and I'm looking for a text that will just, first of all, communicate to me, but then one that will communicate to, uh, to those that I'm writing for. So text is key for me. Hmm. And then once I have the text, and I'm pretty sure about, you know, kind of what the rhythm of the text is, then I begin to sort of craft a melody. Um, with the text, with that sort of rhythmic, um, those rhythmic nuances in place. You know, <clears throat> I heard John Rutter once say that it's nobody really wants to hear about, <laughs> you know, how you put notes on a page. Yeah. They just want to hear the finished product. But I think it there there's a sacred thing that happens, I think, once you begin to write something, once you begin to create. There's I don't know, it's 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 magical, it's mystical. Um and I don't know that I'll ever get tired of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it's fun, certainly, but it, it, it is also frustrating. It's like, now, pardon me, ladies, but I, I use this as kind of a, an example. It's, it's like birthing a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, you carry that baby with you for nine months and, and, and you're trying to eat all the right things and the baby's kicking you and giving you heartburn <laughs> and all that kind of thing. But at the end of that nine months, you have this perfect little, uh, tiny human. That mm-hmm. you've created. And, you know, I feel the same way with, with my compositions after I've struggled yeah. with it. Uh, hopefully, I, I hope something beautiful has come mm-hmm. as a result of that. So it's a, it's a struggle. It's yeah. a struggle. But, you know, of course, your, your skill and your, your, um, the things that you've learned and that you know come into play. But I don't know if there's a specific process. I'm, sure. I, that's a great question that you mentioned. I don't know that yeah. I have. A specific way of doing it. Oh, I understand. I don't. I don't know if I could answer that question for yeah, myself that's either. Pretty, pretty tough question to answer. I know, and and sometimes I get to the end of a piece and I I go back and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, how did I even do that? Exactly. How did I? How did I get here? <laughs> it's yeah. Like I don't think I could have written that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and it it definitely takes time. But yeah. it's um, you know, you have an end goal in mind, you have an end result, and and you try to keep that ever before you. And and I'm just constantly driving toward that that end result, that end goal, yeah. which is hopefully to craft something something beautiful. Let us take a quick break, real quick, so I can tell you a little bit about this podcast's primary sponsor, which is Christian Fortner Music. That's right, my own music business. This is the primary platform that I use to sell my music, and you can uh, find it at www.christianfortner. That's F O R T N E R music.com. Now, you may be thinking, oh, I don't know, this guy is a young composer. Does he really know what he's doing? Well, (laughs) to be honest, none of us composers really know what we're doing if if we're being completely honest with ourselves. But if you want to kind of get an idea of what my music might be like and if it might be a good fit for your ensemble, you can actually uh, get a free copy of music from me. That's right, a free piece of music. This isn't just a study score. This is a full score and parts that you can use for your ensemble to perform completely for free. And you can do that by signing up for my mailing list. So if you go to my website, Christian Fortner, that's F-O-R-T-N-E-R, music.com slash mailings, you can sign up for my mailing list right there and you'll get a link in your inbox where you can select a piece of music for either choir, string orchestra, or a band. And I should also mention that the choir piece, it can be 
be either an SAB, SA, or TB version. So uh, for any of you out there that are looking for SAB, SA, TB, specific voicings like that, then this might be a good opportunity for you. Uh, So yeah, that's about it. Again, if that's something you'd be interested in, just check it out on my website. And now we can get back to the episode. Okay, and so then now, kind of switching to the, so you finished the piece, and this is something that that I've been wanting to talk to you about, just uh-huh. knowing that you have this experience, but this is something I've always wondered about. Like, I, I feel like for some reason, like I've looked up how this works online, and you you kind of get some general descriptions, but I would really just like to hear from your experience, and for anyone else listening that's just not familiar with, you know, yeah. how does the publishing process work with going through a publisher mm-hmm. and, but you also have your own publishing. I do. I do so, own you, publishing. so you can kind of talk about kind of both sides of that coin, but right. just from, you know, I'm assuming you start by sending it to a publisher and uh-huh. then kind of what, what happens from there? I think one thing that I do, and I was encouraged to do this very early on is if you know that there's, first of all, we, most of the time as composers, we selected a publisher just based on their, their notoriety. Yeah, right? we don't we don't we don't select that publisher because we feel like that is the best home for our pieces. We it's name recognition. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was encouraged many years ago to study the catalogs of each publishing company that I'm interested in mm-hmm. and see what kinds of music they're they're publishing. You know, um, see what kinds of texts they're using, you know, what kinds of accompaniments they're using and really get a feel for what. That publishing company is is publishing. I've heard so many publishers say, you know, I've gotten some great pieces from some composers, but I opened up the piece, and I realized that they don't even know what kind of music we publish. They're just sending mm. stuff out. Mm. Yeah. So you've you've got to know, okay, what kinds of music does this publisher publish, and will my music be a good fit for their catalog? Mm. So I every year when all of the catalogs come out, I. I take the time to I go through each catalog and I see, okay, what kinds of text are they using? You know, what kinds of keys? You know, I just I I go through each song and I evaluate it and I think, okay, am I writing that kind of music? Now, maybe not. But if I want to publish for that publishing company, I I need to know what kinds of music that they're publishing. That's that's really interesting for me to know. And then again, kind of like with the with the music itself, it's like the publishing process starts way before you even send a piece oh, <laughs> to definitely. somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like, and so I'm just going to get really specific yeah, here. Sure. So like sure, yeah. when you're doing that, I mean, is that like you said, the catalog comes out and you just have the list and you just go down the line and listen to each one. And yeah. You like and take most publishers and, make those, you know, perusal score available mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and an MP3. And I just sit there and listen and I, and I hear what they're doing and how they wrote and how they constructed the, the, the voices. And the, I look at the voice leading and all of that. Um, and then I just, you know, I don't try to, to, to mimic what they're doing, so to speak, but I do try to write in a similar way or a similar style so that, uh, now I don't do this anymore, but I used to, I used to try to write, um, so that I could get published. Mm, that's what I was going to ask you if that's like been like a battle. Sure. Yeah. That's something I've wondered about. Yeah. Again, I, I, right now I just self publish my music yeah, and I yeah. mean, I use, you know, like my score and arrange me, yeah, but definitely. And I haven't really yet started or tried the, that process of right. submitting to publishers. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that younger composers get caught up with is because they want to be published so bad. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way. I thought, man, what, how great would it be to see my name on a piece of music? And I think that that was probably why I didn't get published hmm. because I was, I was really writing for the wrong reason. Now I write because I enjoy it mm-hmm. and, um, and I, and I, and I want to see good music out there, but, um, you've, you've got to write because you are a writer. You've got to write because you enjoy it and that your life would be incomplete if you didn't write. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is why. I still write. And there have been many moments, Kara, when I've wanted to just give up and throw in the towel and just say, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore because nobody seems to want my music anyway. Mm. But that's really not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. you yeah. creating art and just for art's sake. You're creating something just for the sake of, of putting something beautiful in the world. And if it happens to get published, 
then that's just kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. But I don't I don't write to get published anymore. Now I've been fortunate enough to be able to have some things published, but you know, um I still self-publish a lot of things and I'm still going to continue to do that and so I don't think that we should we should write just to get published. Yeah. But yeah. we should write because we enjoy writing. That's great. Yeah. So, okay, so you send so so you haven't even sent the piece yet. You've yeah. just studied, you know, the different, yeah. the different um, publishers and uh-huh. the catalog. So, so what happens once you, and, and also is this like, I guess it could go either way. Like maybe you already have a piece you've written, but you haven't yet sent to a publisher mm-hmm. or you're just wanting to write something new. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, every, com- every publisher has on their website, their submission policy. So we want you to send it to us. This way, by mail, most of them don't do snail mail anymore, but by email, and we want it to follow the, you know, yeah, all of these yeah. criteria. Now, you know, um, I did that <laughs> incorrectly many times and, <laughs> and, 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 and badly, but they have it pretty much uh, laid out there. And so, you know, you may want to send send uh, an interest email to the publisher and say, hey, listen, yeah. would you be interested in publishing this type of music that I'm writing? Mm-hmm. Or are you looking for, you know, uh, a TBB, you know, piece with, uh, you know, saxophone and tambourine and some other kind of yeah. obscure instrument? You know, and, and maybe they're interested in it, maybe they're not, but... That would be good just to kind of get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they say yes, we would love to see it, then you can submit something. I think a lot of publishers or a lot of composers make the the mistake of of sending pieces without really giving a sense of who they mm-hmm. are. So a bio is always really important. Send your bio out there. Attach your bio. You know, attach, you know, if you've published any pieces anywhere else, if you've, you know, what you've written basically. Mm-hmm. Um and so that gives the publishers a sense of kind of who you are. Yeah. So that you're not just uh, saying, all right, here I am, publish my piece. You yeah. know, that's, it's not going to go over too well. Yeah. You've really got to have the identity of, yeah, of everything, you do. not just for the piece, but also for you. Well, <laughs> and you, you got to know how to, how to, and this is tough for me. You've, you've got to know how to market yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm, I'm a real laid back guy. I'm, <clears throat> I like to be kind of, in the background, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. having to put myself out there in that way has been a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Because you really have to get good at presenting yourself. Yeah. Who you are. Cause you can't just sit there and wait for people to come yeah. to you. Yeah. You've, you've got to go to them. Yeah. And now exactly. many times when you go to them, you know, they're going to be happy to see what you have, but you've got to know how to present yourself and how to market yourself. And, yeah. um, that's the skill that I'm, I'm still working on. Yeah. I'll tell you just kind of a personal yeah, anecdote. Sure. And it, I mean, I, don't, I still don't know. I mean, I'm a really introverted guy yeah. and some people that know me would say, what? There's no way, but, uh, um, <laughs> but, but I am. And I like a couple of years ago, we had gone to TMEA and I wanted to go up and talk to a bunch of the different publishing booths that were there. Yeah. And I, I don't think I ended up talking to anybody because I was too nervous sure. to go up to them. But this past year, I, I think I've grown a little bit since then. And this admissions counselor job I've been in has actually helped me a lot. And I was, I went up and I talked to every single booth I could find and it was, Good. it was great. And I met a lot of people and, and so, and I felt, so good after after that's doing awesome. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, great. That's so great. So, there's anyone in a similar scenario? Just know that it'll be okay. Just just go up to people and and don't be afraid to just start talking to people. Yeah, and they're usually happy to talk to you. They're yeah. happy to to meet you and to talk with you. And you know, most publishers, I would dare say, all publishers, um, but most of them certainly, they're always happy to review music. Now, you may not get. A yes, every time, but they're happy to look at your music, and yeah. you know, many times out there, there there are diamonds in the rough that they find from composers who mm-hmm. they don't know or they've never heard of. Um, but that is how you establish a relationship with with the publisher. Yeah. Cool. So it's a it's a very cool process. Very cool. And yeah. so so once you have a piece that you feel like is might fit a yeah. publisher, you I mean, so you send it to them. I'm assuming you send it to them. You send a PDF usually. Mm-hmm. Don't send your finale file. Um, because 
you know, you just don't want anything yeah. to happen mm-hmm. where sure. they could reproduce your piece or, Definitely. you know, just anything. Um, send a PDF. Um, some publishers will want an audio file, mm-hmm. whether it's MIDI generated or whether it's an actual file or, music, you know, concert file. Um, and so you send that along with uh, the the PDF and you wait for three to six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. And that's probably the hardest part right that's there. The, that's the most fun part right there is, <laughs> oh, the, is the waiting because wow. in that, you know, that time you're just like, wow, okay, are they going to publish it? I haven't heard from them. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, but the, the most satisfying thing is to get, and I've been fortunate enough to get the email that says, hey. We want to publish your stuff. But again, I've gotten a lot of, we're sorry, but your piece is just not yeah. a good fit in our catalog. Yeah. That's the general yeah. message that uh, that's given. But it's sure. it's really cool when you get that, that, that yes. Oh, I bet. And so when you get that yes, is that it? Is it over? Your piece just gets published automatically? It's or? not over. So <laughs> then, then the real fun begins. Um, and so the the your editor, whomever that may be, may start to make some suggestions about, for instance, when, so I published a piece with piece with Walton called hold on just a little while longer. Mm -hmm. It's a great piece. We've sung it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You guys did. Thank you for that. Um, And so the editor came to me and she said, you know, I think, cause I had originally titled it hold on. Well, there's lots of hold ons out there, Mm -hmm. right? There's the Jessica Harrison, there's the Marcus Garrett. I mean, there's so many different versions of hold on. She said, I think, what would you think? Now, here's how she put it. She said, what would you think about changing the title from Hold On to Hold On Just a Little While Longer? And I thought about it. I said, yeah, sure. Because that makes it much more distinguishable from mm-hmm. yeah. the other pieces that are titled Hold On. Mm-hmm. So that was the only editing that she did on that piece. Wow. So there was nothing else that needed to be done. And so... Now, at that point, they will ask for your finale files so they can start putting things together. Mm-hmm. And then they start sending you proofs. Okay, how does this look? Do you need to make any changes? Is this the dynamic you want? Uh, and so what I normally do is I'll uh, I use a PDF and they'll send me the PDF. And I, you know, you can do the little notes in a PDF. And so I'll mm-hmm. make notes and mm-hmm. I'll send it back. And so she'll send me the proof back and said, you know, is this good? And so it's a back and forth thing where we're, we're trying to make sure that the printed page looks the way that I envisioned mm-hmm. it to look. Yeah. And so that there are no gross errors or anything like that. So that's kind of a tedious process. You know, oh, oh I left a note off here. I want to put that in. Or mm-hmm. I want to change the piano accompaniment up here. So that, that's kind of a yeah. it's kind of a tedious process. But gotcha. you eventually get to the point where you're both happy with it and then they send it off to their printers to to print it. Cool is and so you said like with hold on just a little while longer that one was a pretty quick editing process very quick right? yeah. but you know what how, how have there been any that have been maybe like longer or yeah so this piece that I I'm I'm gonna be it's it's out already it's uh, called Mixolydian Gloria mm-hmm. for youth music theory nerds <laughs> and I have to tell you guys a story about how that title came to be but it's Mixolydian Gloria and so I originally had the piece written in F major so the editor whom I've just really grown to love and appreciate Denise Eaton mm-hmm. who is just a yeah. legend in the state of Texas mm-hmm. and a legend choral director and clinician and gosh I just don't have enough great things mm-hmm. to say about her but um you know, she had accepted the piece and she thought, okay, let's try a different key. I think maybe we might need a lower key. So she said, listen, let's let's maybe do E flat major. And so I went back to my finale um, file and I transposed it to E flat major. And she said, yeah, I think that'll work. And then she said, hey, what do you think about maybe this being an optional acapella? Hmm. And that was so far from what... Hmm. I had ever envisioned the piece to be, but she said, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with it this morning and I think that it could work as an optional uh, acapella. And so she said, you know, you'll have to go back here and rework this little spot, you know, this and this. And so I said, yeah, okay, well, I think I can do that. I think, and just as an aside, I think composers make a mistake when they're, you're not willing to make any changes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think that what you have is great and it probably is, but, 
is it it's is it the greatest for the people that will learn your piece yeah. the students the the performers mm-hmm. and so i have learned to distrust that process and uh very happy with the results i mean miss eden was right on the money yeah she was right That's on so the cool money. and yeah. so when you say in in what's the term is it editor yeah. or editor editor yeah it, it's e- i think it's easy to hear the term editor and it's like oh they're just yeah they're just chopping things out they got their red pen out yeah. and- <laughs> but, it, but it's like no yeah. they're they're really an advisor absolutely right? and like a mentor in many ways it's 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 absolutely a mentorship and uh that's how you have to look at it mm-hmm. and so she's just or he they're making the music better they're cool. making it better based on their expertise mm-hmm. and they know what's going to sell let's not yeah. let's not just gloss over that they know the mm-hmm. market yep so you've got yep. to trust them with it, that. it takes a lot of humility yeah absolutely absolutely cool was there anything you were gonna well, say? i actually had a question about <laughs> Mix, Mix and Gloria. yeah sure sure so it segue kind of that was my question <laughs> okay because um, whenever i was student teaching with you uh-huh. um you were teaching your um was it the non-varsity Boys, I think it was for yeah, you, you, it was, you, um, it was, it was even for You had them sing that for um, for contest, yeah, yeah, sure did, yeah. Um, let me see, what did I say? Um, did you like write it for them? I can't remember. So, I, yeah, I, I really did. I mean, I wrote it during the pandemic, and I thought, in the pandemic, I thought, well, you know, we're going to be severely hampered because we haven't had time to sing together, mm-hmm. and so, um, I thought, let me just kind of put something together. That'll be just kind of an intro song that that would go pretty quickly. And yeah, so I wrote it for them and I was able to teach it to them mm-hmm. for a contest and um, they did a great job with it. But that, so after they did it, then I was able to go back and edit yeah, did and you say, ah, this doesn't work. Yeah. This does. And so that was really a great learning process. I enjoyed that so much. And I think that as a composer, um, you know, you have to, again, as we were talking earlier, you have to be free enough and humble enough to say, you know what? This didn't work. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm a bad composer. I'm not any mm-hmm. good. But this needs to be tweaked a little bit. And so I did that with that piece after mm-hmm. Eagle Corral performed it. You said you were telling you were going to tell like kind of the story behind that. Was that kind of all? So <laughs> my good friend, Wendy Weeks. <laughs> um, so I sent her the piece and she's... She's kind of like my 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 editor, uh, <laughs> yeah, my proofreader. I bet, yeah, I send things to her and get her opinion, and she looks at it and makes sure my grammar and everything is correct. But she had I'd sent the piece to her after I wrote it, and she said, "Huh, looks like you've used the mixolydian scale." Mm. And I hadn't noticed it. I mean, <laughs> and composers me. <laughs> don't we don't think about that kind of thing when we're writing. Oh, yeah. We don't yeah. sit down and think, no. okay, I'm going to write in the Mixolydian scale yeah. today. We don't. Think Most, that of way. Don't. <laughs> Most of us don't. Most of us, except the for really the weird, weird ones. ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we said at the same really time. You weird but, ones. <laughs> uh, so I was like, by George, you're right. And and so <laughs> I thought again, thinking about you know my experience from Walton, I thought, okay, there's a ton of glorious mm-hmm. in the market. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Since this is based on the Mixolydian scale, why don't I just call it Mixolydian yeah. Gloria? It's really clever. Might as well. Mm-hmm. Why and, not? And I think, I hope, that it will kind of distinguish it from all the other glories. Yeah. And it'll give the teachers a chance to talk yeah. about it. Yes, not it's a just really good teaching scale. moment. It's yeah. a great teaching moment to talk about, hey, here's the Mixolydian scale. I, you know, I, I play whatever the scale may be, mm-hmm. you know, major scale. And look, look at how different the Mixolydian scale sounds from the major scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so talk about that, you know, that flat seven. So I, I think it's it, it will be a great conversation piece uh, and a great teaching uh, opportunity. And it's also in a compound meter, six, eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can talk about compound versus uh, simple and those kinds of things. So there, there, there are a lot of teaching elements yeah. And I, I bought you guys one, by the way. I bought, I bought some pieces for you just to oh, have. Oh, sweet. Oh, uh, thank, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. So, but it, it's it's a. I'm I'm very proud of of that little piece. And I'm, that's great. I'm, I'm just happy that she was able to see the merit in in that piece. Yeah. So oh, that's very awesome. pleased with it. That's that's just a great example of how you can. I mean, I mean, you can as a composer, you have so much opportunity to yeah. serve. 
Absolutely. The students and the teachers. Absolutely. And I mean, that's also a healthy way to think of it as a business as well. Yeah. You know, that's how businesses make money. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I, I mean, I haven't made a ton of money. From sure. It. I mean, I think that it's kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think I'm more so concerned about, um, you know, am, am, am I achieving my artistic and creative goals by writing? Mm-hmm. You know, am, yeah. am I doing yeah. a j- good job with... With, with the crafting and 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 really putting these pieces together, so that that's really what drives me is the is the the artistic side of it, mm. not money. Mm. I don't. I, I I very rarely ever think about the money. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I don't think most people in the music side no. are yeah. able to. <laughs> yeah, we've just kind of resigned ourselves that we may yeah. not make as much as some others. Yeah, I think I remember seeing. I think I remember seeing. It was like either a pencil or like. Something that Wendy had on her desk saying, like, I became a teacher for, like, the fame and money or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. I always tell people that uh, we don't – we. We don't want full wallets, but we do want full hearts. Oh, there you go. There you, <laughs> you know? go. Full wallets would be nice, though. Yeah, yeah we, it would be we nice. Have, we have families and we have bills and mortgages. And <laughs> Amen. Kind of thing, Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Now, oh, I had a question. Sure. Um, so do you have like a teaching slash composing philosophy and do you see like, do those kind of like intertwine or are they very wow, similar? That's a great question. Um, I think, so my, my personal teaching philosophy is that all kids can learn. I don't care who it is. I don't care what your background is. I, I have an expectation that when you come into my classroom that you can learn. Mm-hmm. And I think with composition, I have to have the same kind of the philosophy is that all people can sing. Now there are different degrees of singing and different skill levels, but I have to, I have to believe that that person who is in my choir, they can sing. Um, and so I try to think in my writing, I want to write pieces that are singable. You know, I'm not trying to be the next, you know, uh, Orf or give me mm-hmm. some more just really obscure oh. composers. Uh, I'm thinking the more instrumental route. Oh, I don't know. But you know, I'm, know. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really not trying to 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 be anything other than who I am. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I want to make yeah. sure that my pieces are accessible. And so I write pieces that I feel uh, just about anybody can sing. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy is: you can do it. It might take you a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Might take some quite a few rehearsals, but I believe that given what I've kind of built into the piece and my teaching that you can do it. Mm. And I, and I, I try to remember that as I write. That's That's great. Yeah. So I did want to ask kind of going back to like the publishing process. Yeah. um, You did tell us about, you know, you go through the publisher, but then you also have your own self publishing, you know, um, business. Right. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. And then kind of, you know, how is that process different from sending it to a publisher? And okay. what 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 makes you decide to self-publish a piece versus trying to send it to a publisher? Wow. Um, so I have a publishing company called Summit Point Music Publishing, and I've had it for several years. Um, I publish a lot of my music, mostly music that I feel um, – Maybe doesn't have commercial appeal, and 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 what I mean by that is mm-hmm. that it's, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily just a showy piece that publishing companies will 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 want uh, and can market. You know, some pieces are are not accepted for publication with the major publishers because they just don't know how to market it. They don't know what category to put it in, yeah. and so there are some pieces that I write that that. You can't just put it into a category. Yeah. And so those pieces I, I usually uh, self-publish. Gotcha. Oh. And uh, and I've gotten lots of traction on my score. I know you, you mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Uh, publish on my score. And it's just a great platform. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just been a great blessing to me. And to be able to refer people to that. Yeah, website, for sure. Uh, it's just, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you're a young composer and maybe you're <clears throat> still unsure about dipping your toe into the big publishing or self-publishing, J.W. Pepper's My Score and Hall Leonard's Arrange Me are great places to start. Yeah. 
haven't haven't ventured to arrange me yet, mm-hmm. but I've been reading up yeah. on it. And it's pretty much the same as yeah. as my score. So yeah. I was actually just trying to update some of my scores that are on there oh, today because yeah. they've been sitting there for a while. And I was like, oh, wow, I made yeah. some changes and I <laughs> never updated them. I would say the major difference between those two um, is that with my score and with some of those self-publishing ventures, you retain 100% of the copyright. Mm-hmm. As I've, you know, published with Walton and now with Briley, I only get ten percent mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. of the work. Now, I'm not going to balk at that like sure. most composers do because yeah. Yeah. they are printing, they are advertising, they mm-hmm. are distributing, mm-hmm. they're doing all the heavy lifting. Now, it'd be nice if it were just a little bit higher, um, but they're they're doing most of the work. So, mm-hmm. uh, so a standard publishing company or a contract is ten percent. Of whatever they sell. Now, there's there's some other numbers that are involved with that, like overseas sales. And if it's published in a collection and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you get a little bit more. Um, but with my score, you retain 100% of the copyright. So you're still the owner. Uh, J.W. Pepper at that point is just the distributor of the mm-hmm. work. Uh, and you get more of the profit. So with, uh, I think it's with my score, if they give you the option to have an e-copy or an actual printed copy mm-hmm. with a printed copy, mm-hmm. I think it's 25% yeah, profit. And then right. with the, if you get an e-print, if you sell one of those, it's 50%. Mm-hmm. So that's infinitely better than the yeah. 10% that you get oh, yeah. with just a traditional publishing house. But again, I, you know, just the notoriety that I've been able to get from being with Walton, mm-hmm. I think almost makes up for that 90%. Definitely. And I'm hoping that some commissions and things come from, yeah. from, being seen on their yeah, website. That's super cool. Yeah. And so then when you when you self-publish a piece, I mean what what makes a piece published? Is that just putting it up on the website? Or yeah. is there is I mean is that it? Yeah, I mean I think it's you're saying here it is available for public consumption. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Would you like to buy it? <laughs> yeah. It's on sale. <laughs> yeah, it's on sale and and here you go. So, you know, and, and that's that's my philosophy. I don't know if cool. that's the right answer, but I think it's yeah. When you make yeah, it available yeah. to the public, it's it is officially published. Yeah, and it's it's available. And I think the reason I asked that is because yeah. it took me a long time as as a young composer in past years yeah. to realize. Like I heard about self publishing, and it's so easy to to get down rabbit trails of well, you have to go do this, this, yeah, this, and this, right. and your copyright secured, and yeah. your blah blah blah, and and a lot of that is important. Sure, but ultimately, a piece being self published is. It is available for people to buy. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's it. Right. I was always against self-publishing, but I love it now. Mm-hmm. But that was because I was mostly being driven by, I have to get with a big publishing house. I've got yeah. to, you know. And so that really takes all of the joy out of it mm-hmm. to, to to only desire to be published by, yeah. by big publishing houses. Yeah. You're putting yourself in your own box. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. So yeah. I, I love having the option of both. It's kind of cool to have, you know, pieces that are in print with a publishing house. Mm-hmm. And then there are pieces that I still maintain the control over. And I, I like having that, that option. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think another big thing that's, that's, that really contributes to getting your name out there as well. Then I've heard a lot of other people talk about and something that I'm trying to, to kind of focus on doing more going forward is it's really, uh, and obviously this isn't a requirement or anything, but a lot of times it's helpful to focus, uh, on a more, you know, specific kind of niche as far as, uh, and obviously you're doing choral music and, um, and stuff like that. And, um, recently like, and and I think it's important, like throughout your year, your early years as a composer, you're finding your voice. It's right. really important to just experiment with any voices, instruments, yeah, sure. styles, whatever you want. And and you should keep doing that for as long as you as long as you want. But absolutely, um, it is always something to consider as far as uh, you know, trying to you know focusing on a specific group or a specific demographic of you know teachers or ensembles, um, and that can kind of help sharpen your focus a little bit and maybe kind of get yourself kind of get your foot in the door a little bit more. Yeah. And I think what helps with that is just listening to, you know, all kinds of choirs. You know, I I don't mind being called a choral composer. Yeah. Yeah. I know some composers say, well, you know, don't limit yourself. And yeah, yeah. You know, you, you should, you should, you know, you should really just kind of keep your options open and your horizons. No, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm a choral composer. That's what I enjoy. I'm a, I'm a choral director. I'm a teacher. 
And I love choral music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, if anybody wants to commission me to write a symphony or something, I, I, I could do it. <laughs> For sure, exactly. But my first love is is choral music, and that's what I spend my time listening to and doing. Mm-hmm. So I think any composer, yes, you've got to be you've got to be sure about what your identity is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to you've got to be clear about okay, what kind of teacher am I going to be? Am I going to be this kind of teacher because I saw somebody else do it? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to be uniquely who I was created to be and try to be as effective as I can in that way? Yeah. And that is really how you, you find your voice. You, you're true to who you are. You are who you are, no more and no less. Authentic. That. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to, I kind of, kind of segues into what we were just talking about. Um, but like, who are some of like your inspirations as far as like composers and teachers? Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, so Moses Hogan was a mm. tremendous influence. Oh, he's awesome. When I first encountered his music and the fact that he was African American, that just blew me away that mm. somebody that had the same skin color as me mm-hmm. was doing so well and could publish these amazing pieces. Yeah. Tremendous uh, influence. Um, and then there are some sacred composers like Joseph M. Martin and Pepper Choplin and, uh, you know, people who are writing sacred music I, mm-hmm. I i really was into that and then of course your eric whitakers and mm-hmm. uh dan gothrop uh, i really like his music and then some of the newer composers jocelyn hagan and tim takash and marcus garrett another african-american composer and jarell gray who was an up-and-coming mm-hmm. you know i'm just inspired by their work and by what they're able to do and emily crocker and gosh i'll get in trouble if i start calling names but <laughs> these people had a really really great effect on me yeah yeah so and teachers gosh there's been so many teachers i mean the lady that i get to work with every day <laughs> she's is, pretty great she's she's awesome <laughs> i tell people i'm in the windy week school of <laughs> choral music education yeah. because she is just she's a master teacher mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i've been so privileged to be able to work with her but to see her in action and learn so many things from her um it's just it's just been one of the greatest educations of my life to be able to see her in action and then and we have phenomenal choir directors uh in our district karen neiser just mm-hmm. just uh retire just phenomenal and then we've got a lot of younger uh choir directors uh you know maddie jones just was here and was mm-hmm. fabulous and mm-hmm. uh, you know i love dr jeff goolsby and i just admire him so much and have learned so much from watching him. Again, I don't want to get in trouble calling names. <laughs> Lloyd Hawthorne, yeah. Clell Wright. I mean, yes. uh, this yeah, list too this many. goes on. Yeah. I have I have been so fortunate. Mike Scarborough, Paul Pearsall. <laughs> um, I've been so fortunate to be in Abilene and to yeah. be able to to learn from the best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They've been just awesome. It's such a great place to be for, for music. And- oh, it gosh. really is. I never yeah. – we, we have never really – You'd never think that Abilene is such no, like you, a. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. But I mean, we have the Abilene Philharmonic. We yeah, have absolutely. Chorus Abilene. We have, and then just Chamber the AISD yeah, yeah. Fine Arts. It's just. And you know that those people are here because they want to. Yeah. <laughs> they want yeah. to be here. I mean, they could go anywhere else, mm-hmm. but the fact that they're here in Abilene and committed, I mean, it says a lot about the kinds of people that they are. Mm-hmm. Their their characters. So. Love, love you guys so much. You've you've been played such an important part of my life. And we're trying to get as many of them onto this podcast as Let's possible. Let's do it. Put them, put them on. Put them on. We are having Windy Weeks on next week. Great. So, yes. Great. A little teaser. Stay yeah, tuned, everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, can't wait to hear that one. Yeah. Okay, here's a question I was going to ask. So this is still in terms of you know your composing, but it I think it still it could go for anything uh-huh. that that teachers have or just people but like i want to know as a teacher you know you are so busy Mm, yeah how do you find the time to compose well to compose music in general but i was gonna say to compose such great music (laughs) right thank you i mean you've been able to to put in put in the time and and do that and i mean i know you have obviously have summers off as a teacher but that by no means means you're not busy (laughs) we were just all talking about this before we've all been super busy this summer I've written very little music this summer because yeah. this has been just a very busy summer. But, you know, weekends are are uh, 
are really huge for me. I can write on the weekends. I, I very rarely write through the week because Karen knows this is a teacher. Sure. You've got so many things yeah. that you've got to do. and You've got lesson plans and you've just got so many things that, you know, I almost feel guilty sometimes when I sit down <laughs> to compose and I'm like, well, yeah. I've got lesson plan to do. I've got yeah. this or I've got that. So most of my composing happens over the weekend mm-hmm. uh, or long holidays or breaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spring break yeah. is is usually a good time for me. Uh, but yeah, just or whatever I can, you know. Sure. It's, it's few and far between. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Yeah, that's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This has been awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of yeah. course. Well, this has been great. Yeah. Well, before we wrap it up, I mean, obviously, you've already you know told us a lot about you know your music and everything. But for anyone, if there's anyone listening, any choir directors listening that want to check out your music, what's the best place for them to go and and just kind of take a look at everything or, or get in contact with you? Yeah. So I am currently uh, working on a website. All right. Good. And so ho- hopefully that will be done mm-hmm. sometime soon. Uh, but I would say um, if they wanted to get in contact with me, you can go to uh, JW Pepper, my score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a profile there. And so I think it's JW Pepper. Uh, if so, if, if you go to JW Pepper and you put in my name, all my music will come up. Um, and if you want to email me, I, I don't know, maybe you guys can put the, the email. Yeah, on the, we can do that. Oh, yeah, the deal. For sure. But I would love to. To talk with everyone, I could talk about composition. Yeah. Just, oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you could too. Oh, Christian. yeah. I'm sure we'll do that. We'll that have is, to do this again. Yeah. Sometime. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I enjoy it so much. Uh, but yeah, go to, go to JW Pepper and uh, most of my catalog is Great. there. You can check it out. Yeah, when we'll, we'll link your profile there. Pretty the easy to find on, on the ASD website as well. Okay. And, cool. Um, and then once, once you do get that website up, send it to us and we'll go back and add it to the description. So it may be there by yeah. the time you're listening to this. And I, I will give my email address at summitmusicpublishing at yahoo.com. Okay. Uh, and I check that every day. And so if anybody has Great. any correspondence or questions, I would be more than happy to answer those so okay and you do accept commissions and stuff like that commissions and um yeah i just would love to talk with anybody who has any questions about about my work or about composition be glad to talk to you cool well i think i can speak on behalf of the whole music community of abilene that we're all so proud of you Mm -hmm. know all the successes you've had with your music and thank you we're so blessed to have you in our community well thank Mm -hmm. you very much for saying that guys i appreciate it and uh just looking forward to Seeing your music out there, Christian. Oh, thank day. you. It's, it's, it's going to come, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's definitely going to come. Hey. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> cool. <laughs>